Thank you, worship team. Wasn't that just an amazing time this morning? Amen. We have heard God and we've heard uh, him change the way we do things in our services, the order. Uh, Pastor Dan, thank you for being that interjection. And it's just, it's fun watching everybody minister. It's fun watching you minister. I walked in the foyer and it's just buzzing. People are talking about different things and different ministries outside in the courtyard next door with the kids. Tonight with the youth, the kids. It's just, it's just an amazing time living on this earth. Amen. And people listen all, all to the negativity. God is moving. Amen. And it's a great thing. Well, we've been talking about the real heroes. So if you want to be someone's hero, if you want to walk out this thing called your calling, there is one thing that everybody here has to be, let me say it this way. There is something in very particular that we must understand, and that's that you're called. Last week, we talked about our calling. We talked about what that meant and what it pertains to. But today, we want to move into a realm of that calling and and talk about someone else, and his name is Noah. So we're going to learn from Noah uh, some particular things that he recognized, as we did last week, and and. We're going to see what God spoke to him, what God said to him, what he realized, and how he lived it out. Because if we learn from those before us, then we can just expand that and do greater things for the kingdom of God. But let me tell you, um, the thing that we must know is really to be able to carry out what God called you in particular to do you have to be crazy. I'm saying it. You have to be crazy. So we're going to learn that Noah was crazy. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, plural. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Hmm. So God looked up upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So here's where it gets crazy. In verse 14, God then says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 
30 cubits. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. So bottom line, in three stories, there were no windows. There was a door and an 18-inch gap all the way around the top, though. I think, just stopping there, this is my thought on this. I think God planned this is because Noah, you must understand, this ride is not about you, God's saying this. And let me just tell you, the calling of God in your life, the ride of your call is not about you. It's about others. God's saying to him, no, I don't want you to look outside because it will be raining. But Noah, keep your focus on the inside to the one who does rain. Jesus Christ is Lord of, of lords and he is king of, of all kings. We have to keep our focus on who reigns. Now, Genesis 6.16, continuing, says, Build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Then God gets very specific, and I believe kind of stern. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Can you imagine that God is asking Noah, this is his call, to carry out the vision. Everybody was going to die. It's crazy. So, Noah then begins to build an oversized cruise ship for all the love-struck animals. Two by two. Now, let me just say this to you. I don't believe that God's going to ask you to build an oversized cruise ship for animals. But God has called every one of you to build something. God has called you to build something. What God calls you to do is also going to look bigger than the ark did to Noah. God has built on things, and things are greater. The difficulty Christianity has today, or the church has today, is that we think that we can't do this thing. We have insecurities, we have hurts, we have things that go on in our life, distractions in our life that causes us not to focus on the one who called us, who's already prepared that plan for us. If you're going to be someone who builds, builds it, you're going to have to be crazy. You're literally going to have to believe God and him only. And allow yourself to understand that what God is telling you to do, in spite of what you're seeing, in spite of what you're experiencing, in, in spite of what you have seen or experienced in the past, God is saying to you, I am going to do this, 
And what he's going to do, you have to be crazy and believe it. Let me explain why I'm using that term in a moment. So let me describe to you some of the things Noah embodied. Last week, we, we talked about three things of someone else. We need to, to walk in this call in a very uh, peculiar way. And so we have to be open to things that are new to us. We have to be open to things that sometimes we take one step forward and it seems like we take two steps backward. Because there's an enemy out there who wants to push back. But when we become so crazy in the, the call of God and we're focused on that, that will never dissuade us from doing what God's called us to do. We will believe it. And after a while, there'll be people around you that will call you crazy, telling you to give up. And I'm telling you as your pastor, don't you dare give up in what God has been speaking to you in your life. Now, we're talking about our calling as we finish with that last week. So here's the first thing that Noah shows us. We need to get comfortable with crazy. Now, crazy is a word many people often call those who are filled with faith. How can you believe that when this happened in your life? How can you do stuff? How can you go to church all the time when all this stuff is falling apart in your life? You're crazy. And I'm trying to get you to the place of realization is that when they say that, you say, you're right. I am crazy. But let's find out again what crazy is. Crazy is the word the devil uses to describe you when God fills you with a call. When God fills you, remember last week, with a purpose. And you begin to walk in it in spite of all the distractions that are trying to distract you. Hmm. Now, here it is. There is nothing wrong being called crazy on the right circumstances. Because I know when I'm using that term, y'all go into crazy stuff. When you are living by faith, many tell you that cra that's crazy what you believe. Take it as a compliment. Amen. Take it as a compliment. When I just graduated from high school, I received the Lord. I attended church uh, as a child. I had gone to the altar like because everyone, you know, everyone went to the altar. But I really didn't make a quality adult decision for the Lord. It was crazy. Three years later, I'd move all the way across the country to California to go to college. Life Pacific. And what was really crazy is when I left for college, is I knew I'd go back to the Great Lakes area. I'd go back to Michigan or Indiana. Bottom line, we went back to Indiana. But when Terry and I knew we were supposed to go back to California after three years in Indiana, 
That's crazy. But we did it. And when I made decision in congruent with Terry, the Lord showed me and said, the first time I sent you out to California, I gave you a bride, my wife. The second time you go, ministry at church, I will give you the revelation of my bride, the church. And for 15 years, I spent here, spent here three years, then went three years to Indiana, out here to California, three years, back to Indiana, three years, and then came back out to California and was here for 15 years. Then the Lord said, I want you to go to North Carolina. So we went to North Carolina for 10 years. And then now, almost 16 years, we've been back in California. If you look at it, and if I wrote a book about it, you'd say, that guy is schizophrenic. (laughs) He's nuts. He's crazy. No, I'm following what God called me to do. See, in a moment after that, I felt from feeling crazy I finally got to the place of feeling normal, or can I say, normally crazy. And I want you to feel that way too. There's some stuff that God's asking you to do that's just downright crazy. But I'm asking you to get it to be its normal that God asked you to do these things. Mark 3 Verse 20 and 21, we see that Jesus was called crazy from his own family. Watch this. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, Jesus is out of his mind. Because he knew what he was called to do when he came to this earth. They didn't understand his calling. And let me just tell you, no one will understand your call. Not even your spouse. They might call you crazy in love, but that's what's going to take place. People do not understand the scope of your calling. To some of you, uh, some of your calling is, is really crazy. What you need to do, what you face, the situations, the tribulations, the family stuff, whatever it is, God has called you to move through that. Why? Because it's not really about you. When we get out, like last week, when we get out of the, the feeling that everything is about me and how I feel and what's going on in my life, God is the one that cares for that. He's the one. I'd rather God take care of me than me take care of me. But what God has done is he is moving in my life and your life with this call and this purpose so that you can be that blessing in the areas you're at. So don't ever let the opinion of the uninformed majority regarding God's call become your focus. Can I say that again so you get it? 
Don't ever let the opinion of the uninformed majority regarding God's call in your life. Too many times the enemy uses the chatter of the uninformed majority to cause struggle in our own lives, to cause a feeling of being taunted, like there's something wrong about me because I'm following the call of God. So I'm asking you to remind yourself and the enemy that you're in the most amazing company when that majority calls you crazy because they call Jesus crazy. Again, if you're going to walk out your calling, you need to get comfortable with crazy. All right? In love, point to your neighbor and say, you're crazy. All right? Now, do this. (laughs) Do this. Don't argue with them. I am not crazy. No. Now point to them that told you you're crazy and say you're right. Okay, here's the second thing that Noah learned. To count on confirmation from God. Count on it. We're always distracted with the stuff that tries to bring us away from our call. I'm asking you to be distracted with God's confirmations. Be open to the confirmation of God in your life. How many of you, you know, you're married and, oh God, is this the right one? You know? Hey, you know what? Most of us, oh God, is this the right one? We start looking for something to say. That's confirmation, right? Confirmation is God's creative way of repeating something he has already told you. Amen. Confirmation is God's creative way of repeating something he has already told you. And a lot of times it just goes, anybody know anybody like this? It goes, right past us because we don't see it because we're so concerned about the other distractions. Because we've been concerned about being crazy, what other people feel. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being a ding-dong in life. God doesn't ask you to be that. We're going to learn what this, this craziness and this confirmation is at the conclusion of this sermon. But I want you to understand, we, we have to take a breath and laugh about it and say, you know, this stuff is really real. Living for Jesus is really real. And we need to really make a faithful decision to be so focused on our worship, on our reading the word, on praying, on being at church. You're not here for church just for yourself. You're here for other people because we're all called. And if we honor one another, then each of us will be a blessing to one another. And so we run here because we want to be a blessing. 
you go to some churches and everybody walks in. Pouting and frustrated and don't like this, don't like that. I don't like that person. You know, I, I was uh, supervising and so I'd travel and speak to different churches and I went to one church and when I was called by the pastor, he went on vacation. He hadn't had a vacation for three years. And I did a whole leadership training of taking care of yourself, of all the pastors. So he called me up. He said, would you mind coming and speaking? And I think part of why he wanted me to come and speak, because I came for free. <laughs> and, uh, but the reality, he says, but I just want to let you know, um, they had like a family, and if you realize you know, the stories of the past, the Hatfield and the McCoys? Well, they all had the same name, but they were against each other. Half would sit on that side and half would sit on the other side. About 15 on this side and 20 on this side. And they would, that would be their place. Don't you, don't you intermingle with that group. And so I had fun with that. I said, oh, really? And my sermon changed. I started talking about the Hatfield and McCoys. Because people don't recognize the call. There are things people do that I don't like. There are people in my family that I love, but again, I just assume slap them and hug them. Yeah, thank you. Come on. All right, yeah. Okay. I know the one that said, come on, they and I have to ask God to forgive us, but, you know, because you all are so perfect. But we have to get to a place of realizing that God has placed us where we're supposed to be. And we're always running everywhere trying to find the safe place. Your safest place, I did this sermon a couple years ago, your safest place is in the midst of the call of God in your life when you're obedient to the things of God. All right? So again, if you're going to walk out your calling, you need to get comfortable with crazy And count, second, count on confirmation. You leave your safety zone, and sometimes it looks like you start over. Anybody felt like you've started over before? Yeah. Terry and I were leaving an amazing ministry and felt like we were starting over when we left here and went to North Carolina. Many times it's not leaving it, but it's going to a new level. When you feel like you're starting over, you're going to a new level. And you need to see what God is doing in the midst of your call, in the midst of your life. See, Noah begins to see this. Noah was a righteous man in all the generations. And now he was starting over.
Confirmation is a gift God gives us when the circumstances of life might make us feel crazy. The time that you are feeling the lowest, the time that you're feeling like, God, where are you? What are you saying to me? Is when you need to really begin to understand is God's trying to bring me to a place of a greater level, of a greater trust in him, of a greater realization that God's got his hand on my life. And sometimes, maybe, he's had to remove something from me, and it seems like I'm starting over. No, you've been tested and tried, and you passed the test. Now he's taking you to the next level. You are going to the next level. There are going to be days that the circumstances seemingly point to the fact that you have made the wrong decision by walking out your calling, and you have not. I can't tell you how many times people ask me, have I made the wrong decision? And 99.9% of the time, unless it's blatant sin, I say, no, you haven't. God's taken you somewhere. Let him confirm it to you. What is he saying to you? I don't know what he's saying to me. What is he saying to you? Then I go, okay, Because you don't know what he's saying now. What did he say yesterday? And then you begin to look and see the hand of God on your life. Are we we getting something from Noah? Yeah. All right. So God gives us confirmation to rescue us on difficult days. (laughs) Anybody have a difficult day or week or month or year? I face difficult times. Sometimes thinking, this is crazy. Speaking of ministry, this is nuts. You know, I, as, as a supervisor, I had a, at one season, I had uh, two couples who were lead pastors of really good churches. They all had affairs. Then I had two council member, uh, two councils of two churches that were literally teaching wrong doctrine and really messing things up and really doing some things. So I had to go, uh, let go, counsel, minister, produce an event to be able to bring these couples back into wholeness. And then I had to go and fire two councils. And I'd do that all in one week. And I thought to myself, I'm crazy doing this. God, what are you doing? (laughs) And I could just see God laughing. I'm taking you to another level. Let's go. The miraculous things that happened in all of that, the churches, all four of those churches represented are healthy today and moving on into greater things. Because God gave us words and and confirmation of the things that we need to do. God will do that for you too. Doesn't, you know, remember we're all called and all our callings are the same. They're just as important. Biblical confidence and confirmation comes from 
conviction. Biblical confidence and confirmation comes from conviction. That you know what you believe is true. God gives us confirmation so we can never be swayed in the bottom of the pit. See, sometimes our faith becomes shallow because we're facing problems. My definition of being shallow is this. It's to be overconfident and underconvicted. I didn't say condemned. Conviction is different than condemned. Is that we get so overconfident in what we do that we forget about the conviction of God. And then we just keep plowing away and not listen to what God is saying. Because remember, uh, the GPS, if you miss your turn, what does it say? Recalculate. Or if you fly a jet from east coast to west coast, the computer keeps correcting it because of the wind and, and, and the weather. And it keeps recalculating so you can get where you want to go. And there are times in your call that God recalculates. Not that you've done things wrong, it's just that you've been distracted. Any of you wives ever think your husband was distracted when you were talking to him? Are you listening to me? Of course, I've never done that with Terry, you know. So. Remember Joseph in the Bible? He got rid of his shallowness in a deep pit. He was thrown in a deep pit because he, he failed tests that God placed before him. Because God showed him the calling is not about the platform. It's about the people. What was Joseph's calling? To obey God, to face life, and at the end, near the end of his life, he would save the world from starvation. And he, in turn, because of covenant, he was able to save his family. And he went through family problems, went through jail, false accusations, you name it, all these tests. And after the second test of pride, he passed every one of them. And that's why he was raised to that. But Joseph was convinced even though he went through tough times. God says to Noah, before building the boat, look at verse 18, Genesis 6, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. So God confirms his covenant in Genesis 9 when the storm was over. When the storm was over, God confirmed his covenant with, with Noah. Is it possible between Genesis 6 to Genesis 9, Noah got confirmation along the way? Is it possible in those days of the storm and the rain that he got confirmation? Yeah, he did. Think about it. It actually rained. 
Now, this is going to blow you away. It actually rained. This was a confirmation of God's calling to Noah. The earth was watered before the flood by underground water and dew. It never rained. So in this craziness of his call, God tells Noah it's going to rain. And it doesn't say, but Noah might have gone, rain, what's that? Because it never rained. How about this? God says, fill a boat with all those animals on the earth. Did Noah know all the animals? See, the National Geographic wasn't available at that time. Disney Earth, or for some of you that are older, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. You're old, pastor, aren't you? Yeah, I know. So God tells Noah, the animals will come to you. See, we read all this story and we don't see God's confirmations. Most everything that he said to Noah to do, build the ark and all that, God confirmed it. So Noah goes outside and a rhinoceros and his girl walks towards the door. Then he sees two rabbits, two deer, and then two lions. Hmm. Can you imagine Noah standing there looking? Rabbit, deer, lion. Well, I guess we're going to have to go get some more rabbits. That lion looks hungry. No. He saw the animals walking up the ramp, giving each other personal space. And COVID wasn't there. Six feet. No, it doesn't say six feet. That's confirmation. How many times has God confirmed things to you and you didn't see it? The deer said to the lion, can you pass some of that corn for me, please? Another confirmation. How did the door of the ark get closed? Genesis 7, 15 and 16. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord Shut him in. God closed it. It wasn't by accident. God did this confirming his call for Noah. He closed the door. When was the last time? Now, now hear me. I'm not a... We're led of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not this person that just preaches, well, God will... Shut the door and open one somewhere else. You know, this, I don't preach that often until it's biblical, Old Testament. When was the last time God closed a door in your life and then you celebrated it as confirmation? Or did you fall apart? 
When was the last time that God said, stop? When was the last time that God said no? And you attributed it to the devil. Now, God wouldn't lie. God doesn't say no regarding healing because he sent Jesus Christ for that. But pastor, what about all the people that, that died sick? All right, you talk to God about that. God's not a liar. What he says is true. The word is true. So he's not going to go against his word. Well, just God just knew better and he's not going to him. No, no. God said, for by Jesus' stripes you are healed. Jesus already did the work. God doesn't have to do anything. We have to come to the place of understanding the healing of God. We have to come to the understanding of the finances with God. We have to come to the understanding of God's relationships. What are they? Sometimes God says no. Sometimes, you know, God will say, uh, it's not time yet, but it's going to happen. But a lot of people give up because it didn't happen on their time frame. And we have to understand and not be so distracted from the whys and the hows and the noes and the yeses and all the different things. We just need to understand our call and keep going to the purpose of our call, what God has said. Let him confirm it. He's the God of confirmation. And Noah realized that and Noah saw that. And I want to tell you, because now you understand this principle of the kingdom, you will begin to see, look back, and today and for your future, you will begin to see God's hand in areas of your life. When at times, it's uncomfortable. But remember, you got to get comfortable with crazy. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be frustrated with God because he closed the door in your face. Now understand this. God never closes the door on you to keep you from paradise or heaven. God closes the door on you to keep you from the drowning in the rain on the other side of the door. When you begin walking in an area you're not to be walking in. When we dishonor people. The Bible says that honor brings a reward. But when we dishonor, it closes the door of reward. That's why I proclaim to you all the time. That's why I tell you I love you. That's why I tell you I honor you. And it's a blessing to be with you. And I'm here at 6 o'clock in the morning today, 5 after 6, and, and I'm meeting with people. I'm texting people and on the East Coast, and then I'm meeting with people from the church, and guys come in, leaders come in, and we talk about ministry. We talk about stuff. We pray. I have three sessions of prayer in that time frame before we meet together for the service. And I do this. Why do I do this? Because it is my call. And it's crazy to think, get up at 5, quarter to 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, 
shower and jump in my clothes and get to church. Some of my peers arrive five minutes before service begins. That's cool with them. But I tell you what, I am so convinced in the confirmation of God and how we are moving as a church and what God is doing as a church. I'm so convinced in this and God has confirmed it time and time and time and time again. And he does with you too. Sometimes we are not getting confirmation because it's the kind of confirmation we aren't looking for. Did you hear that? Sometimes we look for confirmation, but it's not. We're looking for something waiting for the rainbow. And we are missing the little confirmations in the journey along the way. Many of the confirmations that God does are very small. I live my life by the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit confirms things too. Because watch this. He speaks to me on the inside as he does with you. But the confirmations in my life in a lot of instances will confirm it to other people around me will help you minister to other people and their lives. And we have to understand that. And, and not looking for coincidences, but we need to look for confirmations. Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with what God is saying? He confirms His call on your life all the time. So just again, don't focus on the rainbow Notice the lions, the rabbits, and the deer along the way. What God brings. I even think God has fun with confirmations. <laughs> I really do. I think he chuckles sometimes when he sets you up. But remember, it's always for good. Because he knows the end result. And so understand, some stuff happens in your life that you, God, why did you allow that to happen? Because you're going to another level. So if you ask, Pastor, how do you get confirmation from the Lord? Let me give you something not to do. Never look at a coincidence and call it a confirmation. Coincidence is something any man can manipulate. Confirmation is something only God can reveal. Only God can confirm. God will use people with words of knowledge and prophecies and different things. People that you're close with, can, God can speak to them and they can say it. But notice this, it's from God. I believe, and let me speak to the young people, I believe in discipleship, mentorship, spiritual fathers, spiritual moms. Why? Because it's scriptural. Because we believe the word. But I also believe in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. The difficulty, I believe, 35 and under, sometimes that you have in your walk with your call, 
You love Jesus. You've done great. All these things. But I want you to do better. As I believe a lot of times, we can't make a step until someone says, do it. That everyone else believes what we're believing. Because remember, even Jesus' family said, you're out of your mind. Don't do this. And sometimes it has to be an individual confirmation. You respect people. You thank them for their wisdom, for their counsel, all that. But you have to come to a place individually of what God is saying to you. I was talking to someone the other day, and, and um, they were talking about, yeah, you know, I've been talking to her, and, and, and she needs to go talk to this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. And I said, well, how about, if, how about if they just sit down in their prayer closet and just ask God and listen to what he says to them? Then from what he says, what, is it, what will he do? He'll confirm it with the spiritual mom or the spiritual father. What is God saying to you? Because remember, it's all done with honor and respect. Never dishonor anybody. You know, because when you say stuff like this, people say, well, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm just going to go with God. No, that's not biblical. What's biblical is hear God, what he says, and let him confirm it in the way he wants to confirm it, sometimes through people. Are you there? Okay, because how many times, remember, how many times have you not done something because people around you that you loved and trusted thought you shouldn't? But later on, you remembered, I should have done it because it came from God. Let's go on. We start reaching for circumstances to call them for confirmation, wishing God would give us what our flesh keeps wanting. And sometimes it's your flesh that's trying to get you distracted. That's what we do, desire confirmation. And when we don't get it, we reach for coincidence and call it godly confirmation. So here's the question. How do I ensure that I live a life that gets to open up the gift of confirmation? I'll ask the question again. How do you ensure that you live a life that gets to open up the gift of confirmation? First, Get comfortable with crazy. Second, count on confirmation. And third, don't settle for sort of. Don't settle for sort of. Confirmation is a gift opened up by obedience. Confirmation is opened up by obedience. If we're disobedient, confirmation will not open up. Listen to the type of man Noah was in Genesis 6, verse 19. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, 
a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Verse 20. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground, will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. God, God doesn't say, why don't you do it this way, and then later on I will kind of help you out. No, no. God will give it to you. He'll show you. But we're not expecting that. We don't expect that in life today. We just think that all, all life, just life happens. No, God will tell you exactly what to do and be obedient. All right? God commanded Noah. The command is not from a dictator either. He commanded Noah. God's command as, as open doors of opportunities. In other words, what he does, when he commands something, it's an open door for greater opportunity. So to be obedient, you need to expect greater things. Amen. Be obedient to the things of God. Well, well, pastor, I really don't know. Be obedient to what you know. God says, if you do it my way, I will bless you and take better care of you than you can yourself. Think about it. Think about it with Noah. God gives Noah the blueprint of this divine mode of transformation. Transformation. He gives it in, in the reality of moving in this boat, but it saves him from physical death. But there's something missing in the boat. So what he does is in this transformation, in order to steer it, the boat doesn't have a steering wheel. Did you know that? I know people think it did. It doesn't. God would set it, say it. The reason why it didn't have windows, the reason why it didn't have a steering wheel is because God wanted to steer it. That is transformation, letting God steer your life. It doesn't have a steering wheel. Let me tell you why. The ark wasn't a blueprint just for the boat, but it was a blueprint for your and my life. God created our lives to be a sanctuary where hurting people could come and find salvation. You are the reason why people get born again. Because you will obey what God says, and in all of this, you will be that person that becomes that safe refuge by speaking the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are the one. It is your responsibility to grow the church. It is your responsibility to go out and win souls for Jesus Christ. It is your responsibility to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do we do it at church? Absolutely. Amen. Hallelujah. You know why? Because I'm called, like you are, to bring people to Jesus Christ. And if we will understand that and grow in that, we will get to a place in our life that everything in life doesn't steer us wrong. You look over there, distraction. You look over there, distraction. You might even have to 
take care of the distraction. But bottom line, after you take care of the distraction, you're focused on what God said. Noah didn't know where he was going and how to get there. So God said, let the steering be for me. If you want peace and sleep at night, rip the steering wheel out of your boat. God not only knows where it is, he is the one that put it there where you're going. So let Jesus have full control of your boat. And let's close with this. God will make sure you get to the right place exactly at the right time. Amen. Right now, it looks like maybe you're behind. Well, there's no way I can get there. You don't know where my life was in the past. How could God bless me and bring me to what he called me to do? Easy. God forgave it. God will transform you. Let him get you there. He'll show you the shortcut. Saving time. So why is Valley Community so blessed? Everyone has an opinion, but let me give you the real answer. Because we have and are rebuilding a boat without a steering wheel. In our church, myself and the leaders of the church spend time with a GPS system and check where we're going. God, what are you saying? Jesus really did take the wheel. So our job is to obey the call. Amen? Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know because I lived life just like you do. And I know there are people here that you're really struggling. Not with your salvation. That's the work of God. But you're struggling because it just seems like one step forward, two steps back. And I'm asking you to change your thinking. Change your thinking. When it gets tough, it's a season called tough. But you stay obedient. Finances, you stay obedient. Tithing, giving, planting seed. I enjoy Sunday night services. I get to plant a seed. Every Sunday night, I plant a seed. Sometimes I write it down. Sometimes I don't. What it's for. But I'm planting seed because the Bible says that it's always in the kingdom of God, seed time and harvest. So there's a lot of harvest coming in my life as well as yours if you're obedient to the ways of God in relationships. 
Many people struggle in relationships because they struggle in a relationship with God. Not that they're not born again, not that they're not going to heaven, but they struggle with a, a, a closeness with God because he's the one that created relationship. He's the one that created, he's love. He's the one that loves. And we're created in his image. If you know him, then you know how to love someone else. Do you see how this works? I mean, I know you really know this, but I'm just saying, let's put it to practice in our life. Let's allow our lives to be so overwhelmed and convinced that God is in control. Whatever we see, whatever we feel. And if there's any correction in the GPS, he'll confirm that. He'll help you. But right where you're at, he just absolutely stinking loves you. I mean, it's just so love over you. He is so proud of his creation. That's the God we serve. If you're here today and you need extra prayer, the elders are in the front. They'll pray with you, anointing with oil. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, as we talked about earlier, the Bible says to believe in your heart that Christ died and then confess with your mouth that he did. And it says you shall be saved. You will be saved. And then you start your journey in that new life, what we just talked about. Father, I thank you for this house. It is now your blessings. It's just going to overrun, overflow the blessings of God because we are doing it your way and allowing you to steer our paths. In Jesus' name, Bless, bless our homes. Bless our children. Lord, overwhelm us with wisdom and insight and decision-making. And we give you praise for that. And devil, you have no place in this place. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our jobs, in our finances. Oh, Let it overrun us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Remember, tonight at 6 o'clock,